In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Good evening, everyone. It's um, something that we tend to complain about, but then when it comes, we complain about that. We complain about the cold, and then we don't get things by half here, because when we get heat in England, it becomes sweltering heat, so it's not very comfortable either. So at times, we've tried to finish a grapevine very quickly, so people don't get hypothermia. Uh, today we're going to try to finish on time so people don't end up with uh, some sort of fainting spells because of the heat. It's good to see you all. And what I had on my heart today to share with you is something just about that. It's about the heart. And what it means to examine our hearts. We, we sometimes take our hearts for granted. You know, it, it's like having um, a garment that you rake through the mud and throw through water and drag through the dust and throw things at and expect it to be clean and, and um, presentable all the time. And we do the same thing with our hearts. We take them through things and we put them through things and we throw things at them. And actually, all of that means that they don't work really well. They become corrupted and they become polluted. It doesn't mean they can't be salvaged and can't be changed, but they do become corrupted and polluted. And it's up to us to make sure that they don't go in that direction or have that outcome. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 10 the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. And that is such a beautiful reminder that what God really wants of us is our hearts. He searches those hearts. And what does to search the heart mean? Does it look like a good specimen, that it's healthy? No, God search, searches the inner parts of my heart, the feelings, the desires, the intentions, what makes me tick, what I approve of and what I disapprove of, what I feel and how I express it. Because we know, as the scriptures tell us, our Lord himself tells us, that everything that proceeds from our mouths comes from the treasures of our hearts. So whatever we have in our hearts is that which goes out and is expressed to people, and that's what people see. And that's why in Proverb twenty twenty seven we read, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Again, we get this idea of searching the inner depths of the heart. That's where everything resides. You know, I've... I've in, in dealing pastorally, you become more and more aware of the need that people have to actually express some things in their lives that have accumulated and some things in their hearts that have accumulated. Things that have built up over years and sometimes decades that are buried and that go towards building up who we are. You may roll your eyes when someone says, well, this happened 
this, this is how I am because in my childhood I experienced X, Y, or Z. But we know that all of these things have a residual effect. I'm not necessarily speaking about the horrible things we hear about these days. I'm speaking about small things like experiences. Unkindness we might hear or experience. A lack of generosity. When we see things or experience things or are on the receiving end of things that make us feel less than we really are. Those are the things that form us and shape us. And those are the things we must really be cautious of. Now, here in this gathering, it's a bit too late for childhood memories because they are accumulated. And God has a way of dealing with those. But what about now? We are still accumulating today. Our lives are still being lived. Our characters, believe it or not, are still being shaped. Our memories are still being formed. I always find it remarkably um, amusing when uh, a a teenager comes and says, you know, no, this is just the way I am, I'll never change. And you think, well, actually, when you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and you're looking back, your teen years would have been a long, long time ago, and you don't realize how much would have accumulated in the interim. So we are constantly being formed and shaped in our memories, as I said are constantly being added to. But at the same time, our hearts are also also constantly being filled and sometimes emptied. So we need to be very careful. The inner depths of the heart are being filled by the right things. You know, the, the, the one indication you have is you think, well, just, just a small word, just a small unkind word. What effect is it going to have? And then, if, like me, you would have studied uh, geology being in school, which again was a very long time ago, uh, you understand what a grain of sand or a small pebble can turn into over decades or centuries or millennia. So the small things do matter, because the accumulation of small things build up incredible mountains. And so as we are accumulating those things, as we're living them, as we continue to go through life, we need to be careful. That's why I'm really inspired by some people that I see who are really cautious about what they let into their hearts and minds and ears and eyes and senses. They are vigilant. Some people are very sensual in the way they live, and so they know that the effect on the senses has a long-term effect. So they're very cautious. You know, they're vigilant about what dialogues they may be involved in, what words they may hear, even down to song lyrics and, and, and movies and things that they just experience, things which many of us may say, actually, it didn't really have an effect. But for some people, it does. For some people, it has an immense effect. It won't have an immediate effect, but it has an effect over time. And so we need to be vigilant, and we need to constantly search our hearts. And I know that when we talk about searching the heart, it seems like this big, 
spiritual thing that we need to build up to. When you're talking about the lives of the desert fathers and mothers who went in to isolation in the deserts so they could search their hearts. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the daily searching of the heart. Not necessarily looking at the big boulder, but the small grains of sand that today could be brushed away, but tomorrow would have solidified and joined together and created clusters and created walls and created mountains. So the searching of the heart is important as an ongoing process in our lives. If God himself searches our hearts, then what about us? So you think, what's the correlation? Jeremiah, I search the heart. And then Proverb, the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord. The correlation is this. God searches the heart. But then he gives us a spirit that detects what God sees. Because God sees the things that corrupt us, that corrode our spirituality. God sees the things that could build up. But it is through the spirit he places in us, whether it is our spirit as human beings or the Holy Spirit in us who exposes things as well. Those things are then exposed if we look enough, but we need to look There is no point in someone holding a huge torch to to point out something if I have my eyes closed at the same time. The torch is shining. The sediments have been detected. But if my eyes are closed, then what am I going to see? So my eyes need to be opened on a daily basis. It sounds difficult. It sounds like this process that is just painstaking, but, it, but it's not really. Um, you sometimes see people who have vintage cars, right? And they'll go out and they'll see a speck of dust and it's a <sighs> blow it away. Because that speck of dust could turn into a patch, could turn into, heaven forbid, some dirt on the vintage car. And you couldn't possibly have that because this is of great value. This person doesn't see it as a burden to look after this this great thing he has that is of value. He actually sees it as a privilege to own it and to have it, and so therefore looks after it. Our hearts are a privilege to have. We are privileged to be created in the image and likeness of God, and we are privileged to be created with a feeling and reasoning spirit. We are, create, we are privileged to be creative with a heart that God has given us. And even in, in, in the book of Jeremiah, when God says to us that he will remove from our flesh hearts of stone and replace hearts of flesh, he says, you know what, even if your heart is not just sedimented, it's not just gathering things, if it's turned into a whole clump, That's how much it's gathered. And you know what? Stone isn't gathered overnight. I I always found it intriguing at school to understand that things could turn into stone, where things could be fossilized. So a piece of wood could become stone. 
And I just didn't understand that. But it's what happens over time. That clump of stone that is our heart that was flesh doesn't happen overnight. It happens with sedimentation. It happens with influence over a long period of time. And it happens through our own carelessness because we don't shield it enough. Our hearts do need to be shielded. Next time you feel angry, don't prolong the anger because it corrupts the heart. Next time you feel vengeful, next time you feel that you want to seek a certain retribution, these are natural thoughts that come into our minds. As much as possible, we need to stop those thoughts. But you know what? Humanity, our broken humanity, means that sometimes, even often, we'll experience these thoughts of anger, revenge, spite, all of these things. But when we get them, when we feel them, dismiss them quickly so that they don't turn into this huge sediment. So they turn into this huge cluster, this heart of stone. And you know, you and I have felt it. Um, you, you feel angry and you act on that anger. And after a while, if you become desensitized, the anger becomes justifiable. Now, of course, sometimes anger is justified in us as human beings. Because we go through horrible things. But if we let that anger change us, nothing justifies that. Because you take that beautiful heart of flesh that was created by God and you let this anger change it and solidify it and harden it even more and more and more until it changes. But again, we are who we are. So sometimes that will happen. Sometimes the heart will be solidified. Sometimes it will be fossilized and as hard as stone. And nothing touches it. You know, you'll hear a sermon, doesn't phase you. Read the Bible, doesn't make a difference. Listen to something, don't care. You see someone for whom you must have compassion and doesn't really phase you. Hard heart. Solid heart. Transformed heart. But God says to us, don't worry. Even if that is the case, even as that's happened to you, don't worry. Because I am the Lord your God. And I will take from you that heart of stone. I will replace it with a heart of flesh again. It's not even to change it. Because you know what? When it gets to that level, sometimes it can't change. The only way it can be changed is if I, the Lord your God, take it out and replace it with what should have already been there. That pumping, interactive, living organ that not only has movement, but that movement gives life to the whole body. The love we have nourishes all the extremities of our lives, our senses, our words, our dealings, 
and because it is pumping once again, and because we are affected once again, we once again regain the godliness. You know, being angry is a horrible thing when it's prolonged. It changes us. You know, when you see someone with, with a heart condition and the heart isn't really pumping enough blood, you get blue extremities because just the blood isn't reaching the extremities. And then you become fatigued and you can't move and it can constantly increases in its effect. Sin is the same thing. When sin enters our hearts, it keep, continues to, to change us and affect us. And that's why repentance and confession is so essential. If I truly repent, if I am truly confessing, if I turn back from these feelings, I suddenly feel a surge of life. I don't know if you felt it, but when you go in and you have a real confession, when you feel like you've really offloaded the things you're carrying, you come out, you're lighter, you're rejuvenated, you feel even energized. Because suddenly these things are gone. And if we don't feel that way, then maybe we need to dig a bit deeper. But don't lose hope. If you don't feel that way, you fall into the same, the same grouping as many of us who don't necessarily do things properly all the time. But when we do do it properly, it's so effective. When we do do it properly, it is transformational. And so when we search our hearts regularly, and we go regularly to confess and repent regularly, then our, then our lives and our hearts are incredibly changed. And the effect that it has on everything we do is different. But our hearts are also incredibly complex. Proverb 25 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but the man of understanding will draw it out. So there is depth in our hearts. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always a five-minute operation. The problem with us now is we want everything extremely quickly. And so I want to look, detect, pluck out the problem, and continue on. That doesn't always happen. It's a deep well. But we're also told that if we have understanding, we will draw. We keep drawing until we get to the bottom of it. We keep drawing until we pull out that water that is wisdom. And that exists there as well. And that's why we do need to spend more time on our spiritual lives. We need to give it the focus it deserves. You know, we do lots of things daily. This one should be one of them. Not because it's a chore, not because it's only part of your spiritual regime, not just because it's part of your spiritual discipline, but because it actually makes a difference. It actually helps in the transformation. Because when I dig deeper and I search my heart more and I understand what's going on, then when I go to my confession father and I sit down and I talk, I can really dig things up. But then when I dig them up 
and I hand them over, I need to then let them go. I can't say, you know what, I'm angry, and then walk out still feeling anger. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I know sometimes it's a struggle, but we need to work towards it. You wouldn't walk in, half wash your hands and walk out. Keep washing until they're clean. Right? And it is a struggle sometimes, because that anger sometimes, that resentment is deep-seated, and it's not for no reason. It may even be justified. But the justification cannot be for its continuing indefinitely. So as a human being, limited as I am, I, am sometimes, I feel sometimes justified in being angry, which is, which is fine. But the justification can't make me think, I will continue to be angry. I will not let go of my anger. Because at the end of the day, I am the one who's being affected, because my heart is the one that's being affected, being hardened, and being changed into something that it really should not be. So what's the solution? Part of it's simple, and part of it is ongoing work. The simple bit comes from our Lord in Matthew 11, where he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am as gentle and lowly, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So in going to him, we'll find rest. But it's not just in going to him. It's in taking up the yoke. It's in seeking the, cle the cleansing and the transformation. It's in taking all of this seriously and wanting to be transformed. Sometimes we think just by going, that's enough. Well, you know the expression that says you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink? You go to the living water, that's great. But you need to drink of it. Be filled by it. Be nourished by it. Be cleansed by it. And in that... Our hearts are cleansed, and they are transformed back into what they were. Rather than hearts of stone, they become living, feeling, expressive, and honest hearts of flesh. And glory be to God forever.